Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to America. I'll be one of my friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. In the end, it doesn't matter what... We, you and me, think. It matters what they think. I'm talking about the people calling the shots. Yep, the Dow surged 338 points today. S&P gained 0.95%. NASDAQ folded 1.02%. Because President Xi and Federal Reserve Chairman Jay Powell made decisions that they actually knew would spark rallies. I don't think they were trying to juice the stock market. Uh, it would be a weird move from the president of China in particular. But they wanted to do right by as many people as possible. Higher stock prices were just a byproduct, a collaterally happy byproduct uh, for everyone who's invested. Let's tackle our country first. Okay. The Federal Reserve decided not to tighten here, although they talked about doing it in the future, because they don't think it's appropriate to raise interest rates while unemployment remains elevated, especially for historically disadvantaged groups like African-Americans, although you don't ever hear the reporters talk about that. Jay Powell doesn't want to leave anyone behind. He knows the Delta variant is weighing on the economy, particularly on these, the class of people that we just mentioned. And he, he's not too worried about the cost of keeping interest rates low. He's worried about people not sharing the prosperity. I like that. He's going to remain accommodative until the labor market's in better shape. And that's been consistent. He's been saying it all along. Now, you're going to hear from plenty of experts tomorrow and even today who think Jay's wrong because the inflation that's raging right now could deal real damage to the economy long term. They'll whine that the inflationary pressures that he's saying that can be abated one day, like the semiconductor shortage, aren't simply solved by raising interest rates and crushing the demand for semiconductors. Uh, can't have a shortage if nobody's buying. You could say the same thing about a lot of skyrocketing of plastic, natural gas. Look, if people stopped using it, if they didn't have any money, if they were hurt, then they would use less of the product and the, the supplies would therefore become more bountiful. Inflation would end. Powell is simply, to them, blind, deaf, and dumb to everything that's really happening in the country. They see 4-plus cent inflation as a dire national emergency, and they think he's nuts for allowing it to continue in order to boost employment. Me, I don't care what any of those people think. I don't even care what I think, at least not when it comes to monetary policy. I only care what Jay Powell thinks, because he runs the Fed. He's got all the divisions. We have nothing. 
He doesn't have to listen to anyone except for his fellow open market committee members. Not that they even really matter. Although some of, my, some of these Fed guys, they seem like really good stock pickers. Really good. If Powell wants a tight labor market to help poor people and he thinks that can happen by keeping rates low, well, that's what he's going to do. Doesn't matter what any of these commentators have to say about it. They can trash him and say he's public enemy number one and make specious arguments about how inflation hits the poorest people the hardest. Never mind that you can say the same thing about unemployment. None of that stuff matters to the Fed or really to Jay. Personally, I agree with Jay Powell. But again, my opinion is also irrelevant here. I know that. That's how you should be thinking. See, Jay, he's got the juice. Now let's circle back to the stock market. There were plenty of investors who thought Powell would crumble and give in to these inflationistas because they see higher prices everywhere. They figured he did, too. They didn't expect he'd be completely dismissive of their views. He doesn't even really want to talk about tapering back on bond purchases until we get a better read on the damage from the Delta variant. Powell has been remarkably consistent in his views, but the inflationistas don't want to listen. They don't like him. They want a ticker taper parade. But if you were one of the inflation hawks who thought the Fed would have to take a tough line today, then now you got to go buy stocks because Powell didn't listen to you. I mean, Powell's put the concerns to rest. See, these, these commentators who actually run money for people, they can't refuse to buy stocks because they disagree with his politics. They have investors, and those investors won't forgive them for sitting out on a rally that they don't think should happen. You see, the clients are not ideologues, or at least they're not ideologues when it comes to making money. So even though all these commentators keep coming on air and saying that Powell's outrageous, as long as he's running the Fed and they're not, these money managers need to buy stocks or else they'll underperform and their investors will bear from their underperforming funds at the first opportunity, regardless of whether they think there's raging inflation or not. So these inflationists now have to buy stocks because Powell simply refused to play by their playbook. He runs the Fed. They just run money. They lose. He wins. Tomorrow they can and will start heckling him again. Heckling him again. But I got news for them. JS like Tom Brady. He wears the rings. They're just grasping for his jersey after he's released the ball. Now let's deal with China. Like Jay Powell, President Xi also wants common prosperity. But he comes from a different intellectual tradition. The Marxism, Leninism, Maoism school of thought. China spent 40 years using free markets to lift people out of poverty. But now they're cracking down on the wealthy in order to promote equality. Lately, the Chinese Communist Party has gotten aggressive about ruining the careers, not killing, but just ruining the the careers of people who profited from gaming or financial engineering or e-commerce or ride sharing. But she hasn't tackled the obscenely rich property moguls because China's economy is very much driven by real estate, as much as 30 percent. Then he gets his chance with this Evergrande, the colossally horrible real estate conglomerate that has $300 billion in obligations. I mean, you know, countries don't have that. He made it clear that he wasn't going to bail out the company because they're reckless, and they were run by, at one point, the richest man in China. Now, that caused a ton of selling in everything related to China. Hey, by the way, including the mineral, mining, oil, and industrial stocks, even here, even our banks got hit, despite the fact that they can't really do much business in the PRC anyway. But stupid money managers always think all banks are tethered to each other, so they sold them anyway. Did I call them stupid? I'm sorry. I should not have used that. I should have said ill-advised. Last night, though, President Xi, he blinked. He decided to bail out the small lenders, that those that bought uh, property from Evergrande, and the local banks. He didn't mean to set up a big worldwide rally. He knows there are still some rich people who got away with this. He's probably furious himself that he wasn't able to do a precision bombing of the rich without hurting the poor. So instead, he acted to stop the contagion, and the rich lived ever, ever, happily ever after, and so did the stock markets. 
Evergrande's got another big bill coming due tomorrow, the one they owe foreign bond owners. These foreign bond buyers are mostly from countries that are totally on the hook to China. It's like opium to them. They can't get away from it because, remember, China is the second largest economy in the world, and they're addicted to selling product to China. So they're not going to care about these bonds. They'll just take the hit. That's why, despite what you heard in the press, the risk from Evergrande never really was systemic. OK, because everybody wants to do business with China. So they just over, over willing to overlook losses. Now, let's put all this in the context of I, I think sometimes imagery is powerful. Let's put it in the context of a bull. OK, a bull. Did you know I used to have a bull and his name was Norman for 30 days? The cows always ruled the roost. The cows, by the way, are women. Bulls are men. Just well, you know what I get. Female, male, okay. Uh, if 30 days, for 30 days, the cows ruled the roost. But one day a month, the bull showed his prowess. For those of you who don't get this agricultural analogy, as much as I like the cows, especially fine touch and ambush, on that one day each month, the bull, like Jay in these open market meetings, was in charge. The cows were submissive to the bulls. They didn't have the votes. Right now, we got two bulls in charge of the financials of two countries. And at least for the moment, they don't care what anyone else has to say. They have a job to do, and they're doing it. The bottom line, you can be a cow and try to avoid the bull all you want, curse him, charge him, run from him. But every now and then, the bull gets its day. Today belonged to Jay and she. While I've still got plenty of worries, two of the biggest have now been taken off the table. Can we go to Matt in New York, please, Matt? Hey, Jim, this message is from my rescue, uh, Sammy Cliffs, and he says, Booyah, Jim, thank you for all that you do for rescue pups like me. Yes, yes, absolutely. I'm going to go rescue some goats this weekend, I hope. What's going on? That's awesome. So I look at HRC futures, and, you know, they'll dip 5%, then rebound 12%, and it looks like their floor at this point is 1200 uh, I've had a long-term belief in Lorenzo Gonzalez's vision, which uh, is basically here already. He's already made Cleveland Cliffs a vertically integrated steel company. So my question to you is, is this 14% dip the past month a gift from the steel gods to accumulate more? And or, or should I hold? There, well, there look, no I, look I have to me. tell you, you know, I like Gonzalez. He, by the way, he was on closing bell. I, I, and I think the guy's dino might, you know, like D-Y-N slash O slash M-I-T. But, I mean, if you have a lot of it, you don't need to. And it's not and it's above your basis. I would say from the way I run ActionAlertsPlus.com, don't don't break your basis. But the thing is selling it three times earnings, which is pretty absurd. And he's the real deal. Uh, I think unless the economy collapses, that stock's going to go higher. You know what we got to do? We, get, we now have to go to Dan in California. Dan. Good afternoon, Mr. Kramer. Afternoon. I, I'm a first-time caller and about a six-year listener. Wow. And uh, Great. I would like to thank you because what you do for the public is unbelievable. It's oh, absolutely thanks, great. Thank you. Remember, I got a staff that makes me look good every day. And it also can be quite funny. Go ahead. Well, uh, here's, here's my dilemma. About uh, 15 months ago, you recommended a stock by the name of Cloudfare and the oh. symbols N-E-T. Oh, yeah. And I, I bought some when you recommended it. And then about two weeks later, I thought, you know, I really like this. And I bought some more. And then a month later, I bought some more. And now it's gone through the ceiling. And I don't know 
if I should take some off the table or just let it ride. I say raise high the roof beam carpenters. That stock's going higher, and I will continue to own it. And if you know what book that is, you can tell me on Google. And I bet you a lot of those primadius people have no idea what a book is, let alone which one that was. Two of the biggest obstacles, Jay Powell and President Xi, have been taken out of the bull's way. All right? Wow. They were bulls themselves. That Cloudflare's a good stock. That's a good stock. Now, on May tonight, the metaverse is taking over. So how is Unity Software helping in creating a world completely online? Believe me, they are the metaphor. I, I love that company. Then, Toast hit the market today. But could an investment in the stock leave, leave you burnt? But I'm bump. I'm taking a closer look at the IPO and sharing if it might be worth taking a bite. And Stater Lithium has its sights set on making this precious resource more abundant from a pond in Arkansas. So we're going to learn more about what that company's up to. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact, smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
This has been a rough period for the big-name video game publishers, Electronic Arts, Activision, Take-Two. Their stocks have all come down big from their highs. But you know what's performed remarkably well? A company that you know I love. It's called Unity Software. It's a company that's at the center of the gaming ecosystem, but it's really much more than that. Their engine helps developers create games, especially mobile games, where they control half the market. But there's also a lot of other businesses they're in, really pedestrian, prosaic ones, but they work. Unity also helps developers attract an audience and monetize their games. But the part we're most curious about is the so-called metaverse, something they've discussed at length at the most recent conference called Brilliantly, by the way. What do they mean by metaverse? What do they do? Let's take a closer look with John Rigatello. Now, John is the executive chairman and CEO of Unity Software. He knows this business backwards and forwards, knows the games, games, everything, as I've known this man for a very long time. Mr. Rigatello, welcome back to Mad Money. Great to be here. All right. So, John, I've got to tell you, I find your company to be maybe the most fascinating company, fascinating company in the world right now. And that's because you are the platform for far more than games. You are the platform for the future of what we see, what we do and what we think. I do not think I am overstating this. I'm going to give you the floor to talk about the possibilities and prospects of what Unity is doing now, but what it's going to do. Well, sure. So today, um, Unity does a lot of things, but at our heart, at the core of our business, we're a SaaS company. And we provide the underlying technology for anything that is real-time 3D. So we started in gaming. So 70% of the world's mobile games are built on our technology. This is the technology that manages the, the animation, the rendering, the physics, the lighting, the UI, the UX, every pixel you see. But it's not just 70% of everything mobile. It's half of all games, 30% of 30 to 70% of all console games, over half of all mobile games, two thirds of all AR and VR applications. But it's even beyond all of that. You know, whether it's retailers, most of the top auto companies, construction companies, architecture companies, uh, BMP Paribas has, you know, recreated a model of Paris for the real estate division using Unity, as has the Hong Kong airport. So what's happening is people are taking data ingesting it into into the Unity technology platform and giving people a real-time volumetric look at things. It is frantic. It's the future. It's the future of the metaverse. It's the future of the internet, which is much the same thing. I think in in years to come, what we're going to see is instead of, you know, shopping online and and seeing a, a model wearing a shirt like this that might be better looking and taller and cooler looking than me, it'll be me in that model because I'm experiencing it in real time. And I can make that same argument about dozens and dozens of industries, whether it's, you know, virtual twins for manufacturing where the data is coming off. It'll change the way things like sports broadcast work, where you can take data off of cameras and give it to consumers in a way that allows them to interact in that environment. And our platform does really two things. We create those real-time 3D environments so you can consume them. But inside of our SaaS platform, our tools are on analytics, monetization, voice, backend, cloud service that supports the operation of those. Okay, so, so in many ways, but, but let me, uh, I want to go back to what you said about sports for a second. Now, let's say I want to watch a game differently from the 2D kind of way I watch it. Well, let's say I want to, because I love fantasy football, I want to ISO and isolate my players. Now, obviously, I can't. I never see the replay that I want. Can Unity help me? Well, we can. And, you know, there's there's announcements to come in weeks and months in, in, in the future. But here's something Unity can do, and it is pretty darn spectacular. 
We can ingest data, meaning from cameras, real-time data coming off of a professional sports event or a, or a non-professional sports event, and represent that for you on your desktop, in your tablet, um, on your PC, any way you want to consume it. And then you can go forward, backwards, close up, get on the other side, be on the player's nose. You can do anything you want to do because we're taking all that data from all of those cameras. We can ingest it in the moment and represent it back out to an audience that will be able to experience that event in a way that is infinitely better than what they've had so far. Well, is that the the metaverse? Is that the metaverse? I think that's a big part of the metaverse. So, so many things change. If you think of the metaverse, I would argue it's in many ways, it's the internet 3.0. It used to be text, that it was photos and video, and it's becoming real time 3D where we can experience it as if we're inside that exact moment and we can change our point of view. We can go backwards. We can go forwards. We can move where the camera is. We can invite our friends into the space with us. And it is truly a spectacular experience when you've had it. And it doesn't have to be on an AR VR device like HoloLens or Quest, although it is great on HoloLens and Quest. It's also great just being able to navigate that way on your television or on your, on your iPad or, or on your iPhone or your Google device. Um, they're all really new ways to experience the world. This is not science fiction. You're telling me that I will be able to basically be me I can say, listen, I want to see how I look in that suit. And I can see how I look in that suit. You know, the absolute truth is it's not science fiction. It's happening today. If you give me a couple months, I'll figure out how we can virtually and digitally take your entire set that you're presenting from right now, put it in your home, and you can present from your living room couch, and no one will know the difference. We can put those things together in a way that – you know, from all practical purposes, feels like magic. And what's really great about this is, you know, we're running at, you know, a little stronger than a billion dollar run rate. We've been growing over 40% the last several quarters. And I think it's 11 or 12 over 30, accelerating strong growth because industry after industry sees our story and says, we want that. It doesn't replace anything. It changes the way people consume data, consume entertainment, consume understanding around manufacturing or architecture or engineering. It's a new way to see things. It is, in many ways, what the the science fiction writers were writing about that not that long ago. Now it's real. And you're it. It's unity. Okay, look, I love NVIDIA. Everybody knows that. Roblox is really cool. This This market is owned by unity. Okay, this is the way to play the future. John Riccatello, CEO of Unity Software, letter U. John, it is great to see you. And man, is this exciting. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Thanks. Guys, look, I know you said it's a Kathy Wood stock. It's art. You understand how amazing this is. You can be you. Okay, on your screen, you can create people. You can create people you like. You can create your friends. It's too big. I think it's too big. You've got to study this company. It's too big and it's too important. And so, so now and not science fiction. Mad Money's back into the break. Coming up, Kramer proposes a toast. Should this IPO be bread and butter for your portfolio? Find out next. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, 
The ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. The last thing we need right now is a tidal wave of well-received IPOs. That's exactly what we've gotten over the last couple of weeks. I keep warning you that this market's being crushed under the weight of excess supply. We just don't feel it yet. Supply that's created by these deals. And the deals won't stop until they stop attracting buyers or all the secondaries unlock, you know, the big stock comes out of these companies. Unfortunately, we've seen just a bunch of stocks pop right after coming public which tells me that the IPOs will keep coming and they're going to deluge us. Now, last week there was Dutch Bro, now up more than 100% from its IPO price. I am a huge believer in Dutch Bro. The company, the coffee kiosk, they make some of the highest octane coffee I have ever sampled. One cup, three days. Not kidding. Then there's On Holdings, a premium apparel and footwear company with a stock that's up nearly 50%. Wow, I love their stuff too. I say be real careful, though, after these monster runs, even as the products are great. This week, we're looking at 14 more deals, and I think that's insane. Today, we've got two big ones, Freshworks, which competes with Kramer Fave Salesforce.com, and Toast, a cloud-based technology company that serves the restaurant industry. Both stocks exploded higher today. Now, I've got to be honest. As much as I hate the IPO deluge, I was looking forward to the Toast deal because restaurant tech, well, it's a terrific business. When you look at the success of Toast rivals like Square, Lightspeed, and Part Technology, it's easy to see why people snap this thing up. Everybody knows Square, which is up more than 2,000% over the last five years. Lightspeed is what we use at Bar San Miguel. That one's at 200, up 289% since it listed its shares on the New York Stock Exchange a little more than a year ago. As for Par Technology, not as flashy, but the stock's up nearly 50% over the past year. as a 12-fold gain over the past five years. So when you see the Toast deal priced at $40, already up big from the original proposed range in the low 30s, and then the stock finishes the day at 62 bucks. And change up more than 50% from its IPO price? Well, you can understand why. But is the stock really worth owning up here? I am not convinced. Based on my inside knowledge of the declining restaurant industry, 10 years worth, at $30 billion, I think Toast is too likely to be burned. Don't get me wrong. Toast is a great company. They offer an end-to-end technology platform for restaurants that includes everything from cloud-based software to point-of-sale hardware. We know there's a lot of money in modernizing the restaurant industry. Right now, Toast has 29,000 customers, 48,000 locations. They processed over 38 
billion in gross payment volumes over the last 12 months. There's tremendous opportunity to grow. Most restaurants are still in the dark ages, or they were before COVID came along. Even when they do adopt more technology for taking orders, according to the kitchen, they typically go with narrow solutions that don't always integrate with each other and rarely scale. Toast basically wraps all these things, all this stuff into a single system that's much cheaper than buying a bunch of piecemeal solutions. Uh, and, you know, the millennials, they hate to talk to anybody. They just like the credit card, boom, boom, out. OK, that's what Toast is. Uh, but you know what? Other people can do what Toast does, too. More importantly, this is a timely IPO. Thanks to the pandemic, the entire restaurant industry uh, has to en- embrace technology. It was very tough to survive last year without some kind of take, uh, tech-powered takeout system. Meanwhile, operators had to do more with fewer employers. And I'm sorry, with fewer employees, because more people are staying home and it's much tougher to find workers. Part of that had to do with the federal government's generous unemployment benefits, which have already expired. But I think there's much more to it than that. People seem reluctant to return to in-person service industry jobs because it turns out, well, they're a lot more risky than what we thought before the virus. The result? Well, if you're running a restaurant, the cost of labor has skyrocketed. And that makes Toast Platform a lot more attractive. I don't know. Let's keep it down a little more. A lot more attractive because when you've got technology, you don't need to hire as many people. And people are really hard to come by and impossible to hire at pre-pandemic prices. And that makes Toast a very compelling company. But stock, they're different. I can't recommend the stock up here, not with this valuation. And it's kind of somewhat minor moat. Not only do Toast customers lack loyalty, they often can't even afford to pay their bills. That is not the best clientele. Again, no knock on Toast, whether we're talking white or rye, whole wheat, or even the point of sale variety. It's just that this thing has been bid up to ludicrous levels. At a lower price, at a much lower price, I'd be telling you to buy it hand over fist. But I don't want you to be burned. I mean, listen to the numbers. Over the last two years, the footprint's grown from 20, under 20,000 locations to nearly 48,000 locations. In the first half of 2021, Toast had 105% revenue growth year over year. Annual recurring revenue, AR, a very important metric for software as a service stocks, up 118%. That's really big. Even better, the company's inching closer to profitability, and the balance sheet's clean as a whistle. However, this story also has a little hair. And on it, you know, when something has hair on it, Remember, on Wall Street, hair is a bad thing because bald is beautiful. Now, that's not really where the term comes from, but if I repeat it often enough, maybe it'll stick. The problem with toast is that right now it's priced for total perfection, which is nuts given its losses for the last six months. Toast operating in a pretty competitive market where it's easy to change vendors. Beyond the big operators like Square, Lightspeed, now it's starting to get good. Uh, you've got a bunch of other players. There's five serves Clover business. We had them on. NCR, remember the old National Cash Register? How about upstarts like Touch Bistro, Upserve, Harbor Touch, Revel System? You get it? It is crowded. You can play these guys off against each other. I know that from personal experience, which is bad news for Toast pricing power or lack thereof. They just timed this market right. Let me put this one more way. When Toast did a private fundraise in February of last year, immediately before the pandemic, the company was valued at just under $5 billion. When today's IPO price at 40, it was valued at 20 billion. When the stock opened at 65 and changed, it was valued at 32 billion. That is lunacy. Sure, Toast should be worth more than it was pre-pandemic, but is it really worth six times more? Even if you assume the company can keep growing at 105% clip, that would translate to $1.69 billion in sales this year. That would mean Toast is trading at 19 times sales, which is perfect if everything went right. And that's extraordinarily expensive. 
Plus, I don't think the company can keep growing at a 105% clip. Remember, they were up against some very easy comparisons the first half of the year. The to- if Toast growth slows to, say, 75% in the second half, still something that many companies would kill for, that gives you $1.54 billion in sales. Given where the stock's currently sitting, the valuation works out to 20 times sales. That's what Wall Street's willing to pay for the fastest-growing cloud stocks. Problem is, Toast is mostly not a cloud business. There's a lot of hardware in there. By comparison, Square and Partech both trade at roughly six times. Lightspeed's more expensive, trading at 33 times, but it's growing faster than Toast. The analysts are looking for 137% growth this year. Honestly, I think Lightspeed's too expensive, too. Finally, one last concern. This IPO today was a, what's called a sliver deal. Toast has roughly 500 million shares. Today, they sold just 25 million, only 5% of the share count. A major reason for the stock spike. They've got a tiered lockup expiration, but within six months, I expect this one to get hammered once the insiders can ring the register. Here's the bottom line. I like Toast the company, but don't chase Toast the stock. There's too much risk, too much competition, too much earn, not enough earnings. And most of all, take it from me, they're dealing with the worst set of clients in the world, struggling restaurateurs. Toast. Don't get burnt. Gerald, Missouri. Gerald. Jim, thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. I've been a member of Action Alerts Plus for many years and made a bunch of mad money. Thank oh, you. thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, several months ago, you strongly recommended this stock on your show in the Action Alerts Plus Club, placed in the bullpen at about $90 a share. I bought a nice position at this level. One reason you liked it so much was because of its cash flow and their entry into China. Now I'm wondering if I should sell some and wait for more downside. The stock I'm talking about is Roblox. Roblox is a... Whoa! Smoke! Ha! Hmm. Okay, Roblox is a very expensive stock. Uh, I have to tell you, I like it very much, but I have met Unity. It is like the enemy of Unity, and I'm a believer in letter U. I think U is better than Roblox. But thank you for being a member of the club. I speak to Richard in Nevada. Richard. Richard. So, so chill. Um, been with you since Cudlow and Kramer. Oh, my God. I, got, I had a nice email from Larry the other day about signing my deal here. I was very excited about that. He's just a, a nice man. Yes, he is. Uh, thank you for all the years of wisdom. Um, I followed your mom's advice and uh, bought a few sweaters along the yes. way. And now my Remember, she said cashmere. She said cashmere if you did well at the slots. Yeah, and uh, now uh, now I'm playing with all house money. Okay. Um, my portfolio is tech heavy, so I'm always looking to diversify. Okay. It's a it's a great American company. Recently added to the Fortune 500. They've opened their doors. They opened their doors for business the year of the Oklahoma land run. They're number six on the Global 100 Sustainability Index, beating earnings seven of the last eight quarters. They are due to report next on September 30th. They cut the dividend. Last year, but with a payout of 48%, they should be able to sustain or even raise it in the future. Gotcha. The stock is near a 52-week low, but it appears to have put in a bottom on good volume. The last couple of months, it's been making higher highs and lower lows. Okay, okay. I think I think the street views this company as a stay-at-home All right. trade, All right. but I believe it's a benefit of the worldwide and, deal. And the, the name is? Should I spice up my life with McCormick? 
Um, I like McCormick, but, you know, it's not the stock for this moment. But long term, you're never going to go wrong with McCormick because it is a spice company and we always need spice. All right, look, I like Toast the Company, but please do not chase Toast the Stock. Much more Mad Money ahead, including my exclusive with Standard Lithium. How is the company changing up the lithium game with saltwater brine? I'm getting the latest from the CEO. Then the CEO of Disney and Adobe and a company that knows how to do like a, 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 an oster a toaster, because I sure don't, shared a similar message that crushed their stocks. I'll reveal what it was and what you should do amid all the selling. And all your calls rapid fire. I did not look. I didn't put my tie in it in the lightning round. So stay with Kramer. You know what this economy needs more than more J Pal? Ha! Lithium! Now, I, I don't mean that figuratively. I mean, we literally need lithium, not the stuff you take at night, the 300 meg. Uh, the material, not the medication. As its key ingredient in most kinds of rechargeable batteries, especially electric vehicle batteries. This is one of the most powerful long-term themes out there, but unfortunately, lithium is hard to come by. And we don't have much in the way of domestic production capacity yet. Which brings me to Standard Lithium. This is an extremely speculative Canadian company with its stock recently listed on the New York Stock Exchange American. That's an exchange for small growth companies. I saw them on the floor of the exchange. I was very intrigued about this. That's about, it listed about three months ago. Companies currently building the first ever industrial-scale lithium brine extraction plant in Arkansas. This is just a demonstration plant, but if they can pull it off, wow, Standard Lithium could have a huge business. Think of it as a development stage biotech stock, except it's in the mineral business. That's why the stock's up 400% over the past year. So let's take a closer look with Robert Mintock, the CEO of Standard Lithium. Learn more about his business and the technology that makes it possible. Mr. Mintock, welcome to Mad Money. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Thanks for the opportunity to join you tonight. All right. Well, we got to go right into this. There's been no new domestic U.S. commercial lithium production in decades, but the demand keeps growing and growing, and along comes a patch of Arkansas and Standard Lithium. These are two things that I didn't know exist, and you've got the floor, sir, to explain. Yeah, no, that, to your point, yeah, no new lithium production in six decades in the United States. And the current production is the rounding error for global production. So the opportunity that exists for a company like Standard Lithium to be a first mover to bring new production online is an opportunity as an entrepreneur and as an investor. You know, it's a once-in-a-lifetime um, cycle that we're entering here. And the opportunity that we've identified in South Arkansas really goes to the key points on the challenges of building any extractive industry. For 60 years, it's been no new production, but in the 21st century, not only do you have to have a resource that's economically developable, but you also have to have stakeholder support and a social license to operate. And that's something Arkansas is familiar with 100 years of oil and gas development in the region. And by chance, it just happens to be sitting on one of the world's most opportunistic developments for lithium brine. So lithium in solution, a globally significant resource that requires a different approach to resource development, not mining, not hard rock mining where you're carbon intensive, digging a hole every day, crushing rocks or the other way of producing lithium from massive evaporation ponds but by Standard Lithium's technology approach, focus on resource development, an environmentally focused approach, 
we looked at this resource as an opportunity to fast track a path to production. And we've taken Do we know it works? Does it work? Yeah, well, what you what you see in a lot of projects where they talk about disruptive technologies is a fancy PowerPoint. We've actually built something no one else in the world has at a scale where we're working through the final questions to answer those to go into commercial development. So we have a plant that's running 24 hours a day, seven days a week at at, at an industrial scale, the last step to go into commercial production. And the great thing is where we're working, we don't have to drill wells. We don't have to put in pipelines. The resource is already at the surface that we're going to plug into to take the lithium out. Okay, well, let me ask you an an obvious question. It's Arkansas. We've all known we need lithium forever. Why did it take so long? How did it suddenly happen? What, like we went to Arkansas and you and you said Eureka, like it's like a gold mine or something? No, the the world has been the demand for lithium has been increasing year over year. It's taken fifty years to get to where we are today at thirty three hundred thousand tons of lithium production. We're going to need five hundred thousand tons next year. So there wasn't a race to bring new projects online for a number of years. And the, the application of technology to unlock the resource, it's been built on decades and decades of refinement of, of extractive technologies, right place at the right time with the right team. That is really the key on this project, Jim. All right. So let's you got a partner. Stuff comes out. Where does it go? And from what I can tell about standard lithium, this is one of the more exciting stories. If you can scale this beyond even just Arkansas. Yeah, well, the, the opportunity in Arkansas is globally significant. Really? So not to, to lose sight of that. So we can, we can replicate, our plan is to replicate our technology with extraction facilities across South Arkansas to deliver battery quality lithium chemicals, primarily for the focus on the U.S. EV, U.S. stationary battery industry. Because as, as we, at the start of the program, we said there is a rounding era of lithium production in the United States. The location in South Arkansas is is perfectly uh, geographically centered to so many EV battery and EV uh, operations that are being built out there, plus the proximity to the Gulf Coast for export to Europe. There is no better place to build a lithium chemicals business because it's not mining. It's chemicals. This is the chemical heartland of the United States. This is the best place to build a lithium project as a resource. And now a technology to unlock it. Well, I got to tell you, when I, I thought, you know, I talked to one of your associates on the floor. I did think it was too good to be true. I did the research. It's not too good to be true. It's true. So the question is whether you can scale it big. But I congratulate you. And I think this is one of the most exciting stories, speculative stories that I've come across in many, many years. So I want to thank Robert Mintock. This was really great, Robert. And I want to hear from you on all the different milestones, because this is an incredibly important issue for our viewers. Thank you so much for coming on Mad Money. You're welcome. I'd like to invite you down to South Arkansas as well and two of the Well, we want to go there, too, because we got a new core plant that we want to go to and because I, have, I happen to love the state of Arkansas. I've been there many times. Thank you. Oh, there you go. Standard lithium hack. That'll do it. Thank you so much. Right great, great to see you. Thank you. What can I say? I said it's spec. Do I think that you should be in it? I think you should read the deck. Look at the releases. Understand what's going on. It's all available. Mad Money's back into the book. Coming up, a storm is coming. So give us a call. Kramer's got the answers to all your burning questions. The lightning round is next. 
And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski? Let's go with Mark in California. Mark, Mark, Mark. Hey, Jim, I want to ask you about a company that recently blew away earnings estimates. They raised their guidance and announced the opening of 250 mini stores in Target stores by the end of the year. Do I have four cents for buying more Ulta Beauty? You can buy more Ulta Beauty. We sat down with management recently. Wow. I didn't think Mary Dillon, you know, she's fantastic. But I really have a great succession team. I like that stock very much. Michael and Galbraith and Michael. Big booyah to you, Mr. Kramer. Please, your opinion on Laredo Petroleum. I don't LPR. like Laredo. I've got a bunch of them that I do like. I like Devon. I like Chevron. I like Pioneer. And I like Conoco. Let's go that way. Novak in New York. Novak. Bye, Jim. Hey, man. Abcelera, A-B-C-L. Okay, this is an incredibly speculative name that a lot of people have great hopes for. It's down on its luck, but you know I'm never going to say no to a spec when it comes to biologics, which I think is the future. Let's go to Jackie in Florida. Jackie. Hi, Mr. Kramer. Would you recommend this as a good buy right now? And do you recommend buying ticker G-I-L-T? That thing is so far down, why not give it a shot? I mean, I hate to be so... Uh, Cavaliers to that, but that company Gillette is too, too cheap. Let's go to uh, no, I think that is going to be it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round! The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. All right. It's time for CEOs to stop playing weathermen. Yesterday, the head of Honcha, you won't believe this, the head guy at Disney and Adobe both pulled the same stunt, and it wrecked their stocks for no good reason. Bob Chapek, the incredibly thoughtful CEO of Disney, talked several times about how his company's now facing headwinds, including the Delta variant. I don't think he understood the power of the word headwind in the narrative. The it destroyed the narrative. It doesn't matter what's going right. If you hold an analyst meeting and say that any of your myriad businesses are facing a headwind, that's all the analysts will focus on. To them, headwind means, look out, we won't be able to make our numbers because there's been a major sea change and this crushed us. Nobody hears headwinds and says, hmm, oh, maybe it's just a minor speed bump. Nope, a headwind is a tsunami, a Cat 5 hurricane that obliterates all of the positives. Necessarily mind that Disney pulled back after like, about ten bucks after he spoke. You know, we've been waiting to get into stock from a charitable trust, and Chapek gave us the price break we've been looking for because of that weather line. I mean, if he'd simply softened his language a little, I don't say headwind, say momentary headwind, then the stock wouldn't have been crushed. Or uh, hold, hold it, there was more. Chapek also talked about how dividends and buybacks are in the and I quote distant future. Distant future. Oh, no, no, no. You're supposed to say dividends are the province of the board of directors. And if the board thinks the company is in good sh- enough shape to reinstitute one, then so be it. This is what I would do for a living if I wasn't doing the show. I'd be like writing the stuff, you know. Now, as for buybacks, there's a way to postpone them without pre- freaking out either. You just say we have so many growth opportunities that they're too terrific to pass up. So we'd rather spend the money investing in the business than buying back stock. Unfortunately, he didn't finesse it. I, I think I could have had that stock up 10 bucks if I had been doing the speech. 
All right, maybe seven. Now, I, I, how about Adobe? Okay, now I've loved this stock ever since it traded in the 60s. It's now in the 600s. Adobe changed its business model from selling software licenses to selling software as a subscription service. It was brilliant. They have amazing products. I love their products. It just reported an awesome quarter. As CEO Shantanu Narayan told us when he came on Mad Money last night, it was a blowout. Almost every line item was better than expected. He issued strong guidance for the current quarter, too. Oh, I was gushing about how good it was. But Adobe stock got crushed. Why? Because Shantino used the word seasonality in the sense that there was seasonal softness. Now, the jackals and mangy dogs who follow this growth company believes that growth should always be unencumbered, meaning the summer should be just as fast as the winter, that there can't be any slowdown whatsoever or else something's going wrong. Now, if Shantino had simply said, yeah, we had the usual weakness, but actually it wasn't as bad as previous summers, which, by the way, has the added advantage of being true, I bet the stock would barely have been dinged at all. Instead, he hit it with that seasonality, seasonality hammer, and the stock pulled back nearly 20 bucks today. Again, though, his unvarnished candor gave us a buying opportunity that we don't deserve. Adobe's been one of the greatest stock performers of our era, but it has periodic hiccups. Just look at the chart. If you bought those hiccups, you've been a winner. My prediction, this time will be no different. Of course, these swoons tend not to be a one-day affair. You really should wait 48 hours. Selling then dries up, and then you get the chance to start the position. I would take it. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Craver. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.